calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. You're listening to Inherited Danger, book two of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information, maps, and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. Chapter 8 a single act of kindness can change the world. Berber Dra, philanthropist. A jolly sort of noise brought Katrin drifting to wakefulness, but it was her nose that drew her from the comfortable bedding. She smelled bacon. Bacon! The alluring aroma drew everyone from their rooms, and she soon found herself seated in the common room with her companions. A young girl served other customers, but Miss Shambrill arrived at their table and served them herself. The innkeeper didn't ask what they wanted. She simply brought plates laden with some of everything, and Katrin could not fail to note the large cut of brisket she served to Benjamin. Reveling in the tastes of bacon, sausage, and cheese, no one at their table spoke a word. One of the doors flew open, and a tired-looking guard entered the common room. Katrin recognized him as the man who had searched them the night before. When he saw Benjamin, he approached and went to one knee. A thousand apologies, sir. Mother Gwendolyn wishes to see you immediately. I sincerely apologize for my insolence. I was out of line. He stayed on one knee, his eyes downcast. Benjamin laughed and patted him on the shoulder. Come now, let's begin again. I'm Benjamin Hawk. The man seemed shocked that Benjamin would not use his advantage, and he accepted Benjamin's hand with thinly veiled uncertainty. Burl Longarm, Captain of the Guard, sir, he said, seeming more sure of himself after Benjamin's firm handshake. Please join us and sit a moment, Captain Longarm. I assume your orders are to escort us to Mother Gwendolyn? Benjamin asked, and Captain Longarm nodded. I cannot offend Miss Shambrel by leaving platters full, and we sure could use your help cleaning them if you'd be willing. Benjamin winked and motioned for him to take a seat. Captain Longarm was hesitant for a moment, but then gave in to his hunger. 
Benjamin cut a large slice of his brisket and slid it onto the plate Catrin handed to Captain Longarm. Catrin spooned a bit of everything else onto his dish. He thanked them with his mouth full. Miss Shambrel appeared impressed when she saw the empty plates, but then she noticed Captain Longarm. I suppose I'll need to bring a larger meal next time. I didn't realize you'd be feeding the guard as well, she said as she cleared the plates. Captain Longarm looked uncomfortable and seemed to be wondering if he had offended her. But Miss Shambrel just laughed and brought him a basket of sweet rolls for the guards. Thank you, Miss Shambrel. I'll make sure the men on duty get every one of these, he said. And she laughed, throwing another roll at him. He caught it deftly and smiled as he took a bite. Many thanks, Miss Shambrel. Many thanks. He said as he led Benjamin and the others out of the first inn. Within a few steps, he cast a sidelong glance at Benjamin, who walked without limp or staff. Your leg feeling better today? Much, Benjamin replied with a sly smile. I should get these to the men before they get cold? Captain Longarm said, a question in his voice. Yes, I agree. That gift would be wasted if delivered cold, Benjamin replied. Captain Longarm happily jogged toward the gates along the path that had been cleared through the knee-deep snow. He returned shortly after and led them on a different path, one that meandered toward a second set of massive gates. The gates opened as they approached, and no one questioned or searched them. The men manning the gates nodded in deference as they passed, and Katrin smiled in return. After passing through two smaller sets of gates, they reached an enormous temple. Built into the side of a mountain, the massive structure was covered with elaborate images of trees and animals, meticulously carved into the rock face. So cleverly carved were some of the creatures that they seemed to move. Craning her neck, Katrin tried to soak in the myriad of details while she walked. She nearly tripped a few times, but she got to see distant waterfalls, hanging gardens, and even small ponds filled with orange fish. If the monks Katrin saw noticed her or her party, they gave little indication. Some sat in quiet meditation, others read. Some had their heads and even their eyebrows completely shaved, and Katrin reflexively reached for her hair. It had grown long in the months since she had left her home. Even after it was singed, it grew back quickly, and she had come to like the feel of it on her neck. It made her feel womanly. Engrossed in her thoughts, she didn't notice that the others had stopped, and she walked into Strom's back. He made no comment, but somehow he came to be standing on her toes. She pinched him, and he laughed as he stepped away. Before the entrance of the temple, Captain Longarm remained silent. One of the men standing guard simply nodded and disappeared into the temple. The other guard motioned for them to follow him inside, and he led them to a small side chamber. The entryway floor was of polished stone, and the walls were lined with shoes and boots. No one needed to tell them they should take off their boots, and the guard simply nodded when they started unlacing. Conscious of her pale and pickled-looking feet and her crooked toes, which had all been broken at least once, mostly under Salty's hooves, 
Katrin suddenly wished she did not have to go barefoot. The guard pointed to some wash basins, indicating they should wash their feet before entering the temple, and they respectfully complied. As Katrin rinsed her feet, she caught movement from the corner of her eye. A petite woman walked gracefully toward them, her robes gliding evenly across the floor, as if she moved without walking. Distracted, Katrin lost her balance as she removed her foot from the basin. She hopped on one foot for a moment, took a bad hop, and slipped on the wet floor. Her feet were above her head when she struck the stone floor, and the air rushed from her lungs. With an angry bump forming on the back of her head, she could not have been more embarrassed, and was grateful when someone helped her rise from the floor. When her vision focused, she found it was the dainty woman who assisted her. Greetings, child. I'm Mother Gwendolyn. Are you hurt? Um, no, Mother. I'll be fine in a moment. It's just a bump on the head, Katrin replied. She did not resist as Mother Gwendolyn guided her into another, smaller room with thick carpets and comfortable-looking cushions strewn about on the floor. Mother Gwendolyn led her to a large cushion and helped ease her down to it. Katrin slumped onto the cushion and ran her fingers along the back of her skull. She felt no blood, but the lump was tender to the touch. Greetings, Mother Gwendolyn, Benjamin said. The years have been kind to you. It's good to see you again, Benjamin. It seems like only yesterday we searched for herbs and roots together she replied, and Katrin looked up to see Benjen give her a brief hug. The others seated themselves, and Benjen began by making the introductions. He worked his way around the room until he came to Katrin, and she suddenly realized she had not given Mother Gwendolyn her name. This is Katrin Volker, daughter of Wendell and Elsa Volker, Benjen said quietly enough to remain discreet. I'm sorry I didn't introduce myself, Mother, Katrin blurted involuntarily. Mother Gwendolyn just smiled. You need not fret. I'm not easily offended. And you did suffer quite a fall. My position often seems to impose courtesies that my ego does not require and that I would much sooner forgo. There are those who feel I must maintain my aloofness as a requisite, but I find it tiresome. It creates a barrier between me and just about everyone else. Ah, but I did not come here to tell you my troubles. Please, tell me the tale of your journey, she said, but she noticed Benjamin make an exaggerated glance toward the open doorway. Perhaps this is a tale best told in a more accommodating location. If you'll follow me, I'll find us a more comfortable place to talk, she said and Benjen nodded in agreement. She led them through the large hall and down a wide, rounded flight of stairs that opened into another equally large hall. Fewer people were gathered in this part of the temple, and many of the doors that lined the hall were closed. Katrin saw people in rooms where doors were open or ajar, but they made very little noise. Most appeared to be in various states of meditation. Another flight of stairs took them into a smaller hall, with fewer doors on either side. 
Mother Gwendolyn selected a room that had empty rooms on either side, and when they were all inside, she closed the heavy door behind them. I apologize, Mother, but our tale must be kept in confidence. I fear anyone who learns of it will be in danger. I'm hesitant to place such a burden on you, and I'm prepared to tell you pleasant lies if you decide that is best. I would ask your preference, Benjen said. Mother Gwendolyn smiled, nodding in acknowledgement of his warning. First, I must ask you to address me as Gwendolyn while we're in a private setting. It will lighten my heart to enjoy your company as equals. Second, I wish to hear your tale, no matter how dangerous the information may be. I sense this is no minor matter, and I'll do all I can to assist you. Everyone in the room seemed to relax once those things were understood, and Katrin let Benjen's voice pull her along as he told her the tale. He left out no details, shocking everyone with the extent of his disclosure. He spoke of Katrin as the one who had been declared the Herald of Istra, and Mother Gwendolyn gave her more than a few glances during the telling of her deeds. Katrin immersed herself in Benjen's telling, and she let herself experience the tale from his perspective. He wove the story with skill, and his details painted vivid impressions in her mind. She liked the texture of his rendition and stored his memories alongside hers. Mother Gwendolyn made not a single sound. She listened intently until Benjen reached the last part of his tale, when he described their journey with Milo and Gustad. She dropped her face into her hands and sighed. Then she laughed. Benjen fell silent and Mother Gwendolyn looked at each of them anew. You've endured many trials along your journey, and you've more challenges ahead. Benjen's words tell me you have acted wisely and bravely, and I honor your courageous deeds. He also alluded to Katrin's desire to learn from us. I would ask what it is you seek. I, uh, I came here hoping to learn about my magic, Katrin answered, caught off her guard. Pah, magic. What do you need with magic? Do you wish to perform tricks at county fairs? Mother Gwendolyn asked, incredulous, and Katrin gaped. What you possess is not magic, child. You have power. Not the perception of power like that which politicians wield, but real, tangible power. It would seem you are right to seek us out, for you have much to learn. But we will remedy that, shall we not? Thank you, Katrin responded. I don't want to be a burden, but any help and information you can offer will be greatly appreciated. You couldn't just come to visit, could you? Benjen, Mother Gwendolyn asked with a wink. I suppose not. I think Katrin and I should spend some time together, Mother Gwendolyn said. Perhaps she could rejoin you this evening, at the first inn. Certainly. We can find our way out, Benjen said. You should pay a visit to Milo and Gustad. I'm sure they'll be glad to show you their experiments, she replied with a wave and Benjen closed the door behind himself. Nervous and self-conscious when left alone with Mother Gwendolyn, Katrin quailed. 
The woman's grace and eloquence made her feel crude and ignorant, and she was somewhat cowed by Mother Gwendolyn's reaction to the word magic. Well now, where shall we begin? Hmm? Mother Gwendolyn said. Perhaps you could describe your experiences with power. That would help me understand what you know. Katrin sighed, took a deep breath, and prepared to verbalize the indescribable. She began by detailing the events surrounding the attack on Osborne and how she had thought she would die. Then she tried unsuccessfully to relate the feeling of the world flying away from her. Hmm, yes, that explains a great deal, Mother Gwendolyn said. It is my belief that the human brain is capable of much more than most people realize. There are doorways in our minds, like portals to ancient knowledge, most of which are closed. Some doors can be opened gradually over generations. I believe those opened by a parent before the time of a child's conception are made easier for the child to open, and I have hypothesized that these doors can be blown apart by traumatic experiences. It is my unproven theory that the unconscious mind can sometimes override the conscious mind for the sake of self-preservation. But I digress. It would seem a major doorway fell before the threat on your life, and you instinctively triggered a chain reaction, unleashing a blast of energy. It is my belief that one cannot create energy. One can store energy, harness it, release it, but not create it. Again, I digress. Please, continue, she said. Katrin went on with a bit of excitement. She hadn't known what to expect, but at least Mother Gwendolyn had some answers for her, even if they were vague and unproven. She managed to tell the tale of the destruction of the Great Oaks without crying, but Mother Gwendolyn's astonished reaction made it difficult. By the land! The grove of the elders and the heartstone destroyed? You know of the place? Katrin choked. Only from legends and scripture, but you described it perfectly. It was a very sacred place where the land's energy was said to be almost palpable. It was. I felt it, Katrin sobbed, once again suffering the guilt of destroying the once beautiful place. You could not have known, dear. Now, now, don't cry, Mother Gwendolyn said softly. Katrin then told of her experiences on the plateau and how the water seemed to repel her. She described the emotions she had been experiencing when she slammed the ground, and Mother Gwendolyn looked thoughtful but remained silent. She went on to tell about her trials among the Argast and about the striking of the well. Clever, Mother Gwendolyn said. Finally, Katrin described her attack on the Jean fleet. She tried to express in words her energy vortex, spinning in a similar manner to the rotation of the storm, and how exhausted she had grown trying to maintain it. Only when she reached that part of her tale did she remember the fish carving, and she quickly filled Mother Gwendolyn in on the overlooked details. Mother Gwendolyn's eyes flew wide as saucers, and Katrin grew quiet. Wait one moment before you say anything more. Mother Gwendolyn said. She went to the door and summoned a nearby guard. 
After she whispered something in his ear, he left at a run. Katrin wanted desperately to ask what was going on, but she sensed Mother Gwendolyn had good reason for her silence, and she also sensed an aura of excitement. A sudden knock at the door startled them both, and Mother Gwendolyn rose to meet the guard. The man was winded and said nothing as he handed her a leather-bound book. Mother Gwendolyn turned back to Katrin and quickly flipped the pages, clearly not wishing to prolong Katrin's torment. Then she held the open book out. Does it look like that? she asked, no longer able to contain her excitement. Katrin's heart slammed into her throat, and she knew before she looked at the pages that she had found and destroyed some ancient relic. One glance at the page confirmed her fears and she nodded with tears in her eyes. She didn't miss the caption written in bold letters above the drawing. It read, Imitaries Fish. Mother Gwendolyn looked at her with a mixture of horror and foolish hope. Please, tell me you lost it, she pleaded, and then sat down hard as Katrin shook her head. I didn't know, Katrin said through her grief. No one told me. I swear I didn't know. I needed the strength to stay alive. I didn't know. She sobbed and curled into a ball, and Mother Gwendolyn held her. I'm so sorry, dear Katrin. I'm a foolish old lady. I didn't realize the extent of your pain, and I've only served to make it worse. You are a remarkable young woman, and I'm proud to be known by you. I'll be more careful from now on. I promise, she said, while Katrin cried on her shoulder. I destroyed Imitary's fish. The aroma that came from Miss Shambrell's kitchen was enough to drive away most of the group's fears. But Chase had no appetite. Since their arrival at Omahold, a nagging intuition kept him from ever truly relaxing and he paced the common room, waiting for Katrin to return. She'll be fine, Benjen said as if reading his thoughts, and Vertuk nodded firmly in agreement. But even their assurances sounded thin and weak to Chase's ears, and he continued to fret. What do you think will happen next? Osborne asked, his voice quivering, betraying his own fears. The snows have begun. Benjamin said. The passes will soon be impassable, and I doubt anyone will arrive at Omahold or leave before the spring melt. We have little choice now but to settle in for the winter and make the best of the time we have. What will we do? Strom asked. Perhaps a visit to Gustad and Milo, as Mother Gwendolyn suggested, would be a good place to start. Learn all that you can for you can never say what knowledge will mean the difference between life and death. Keep me apprised of all that you hear, and somehow we will piece together a plan. You go, Chase said to Strom and Osborne as they stood to leave. I'll wait here for Cat. Strom looked him in the eye, and they exchanged a silent vow. Somehow they would keep her safe. Somehow. 
icy wind tore through the common room as Strom and Osborne pushed open the doors and leaned into the wind. When the doors slammed shut, Chase kicked a nearby chair, venting his frustration. Katrin needed him, and he had no idea what he was supposed to do. Anxious and frightened, his thoughts ran in circles, and still no path became clear. He could only hope that something would show him the way. Until then, he would pace. That concludes this episode of Inherited Danger. Thank you for listening. For the latest news and new releases, be sure to check out patioracket.com.